Hello and welcome to FNG1, the new fan's guide to Formula One and the world of motorsport. I am your co-host Chuck and with me as always is Sean. Howdy folks. You know, Sean, I was thinking about it actually on our last episode. We always say that this is a show about Formula One and the world of motorsport. And honestly, we have almost never talked about the rest of the world of motorsport except like very obliquely. Oh yeah. And yet I was thinking for the last episode, oh, we should talk Le Mans. And then we didn't. I know. And <laughs> I should I talk Le Mans because I'm only a Le Mans fan now. Yes, you are. That's true. You did bring it up. And I feel like we should have brought up the fact that there was a stock car at Le Mans. Oh, I only cared about who won Le Mans. I only cared about the stock car. And also Le Mans is just interesting. But Antonio Giovinazzi won. I know. Isn't that crazy? He went from 15th in our standings to winning Le Mans. He went from 15th in the, in the standings to first in your heart. Hero. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> that's enough other motorsport. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> that was 10 seconds our of deep other motorsport. Dive. We really got in there and hashed that thing out. There was a stock car at Le Mans. That's crazy. It was a total stunt and meant nothing. It was very funny. It was very funny to watch. I I found myself in a weird position of wanting to also be one of the people who was just talking about that, you know, Chevy Camaro stunting on these Ferraris while knowing that it's not comparable. (laughs) But now I'm also cursed by knowing how not comparable it is. And like, this is silly. It is fun and also meaningless. The wild thing that I saw about that car is because it was huge. It looked massive. It was massive. It was the biggest thing I've ever seen. I looked at the dimensions on the last generation BMW M8 that they used to run in endurance cars. That Mm -hmm. thing was bigger. Are you serious? Yeah, because like it was a big joke, like the big mate M8 and like... It's actually bigger than that Camaro is. How can that <laughs> every be that dimension. NASCAR? It looked like they were driving a, I don't know. It looked like they were driving one of those old Toyota minivans <laughs> down the highway. Like it had those kind of weird dimensions too. Yeah, it's because it you're used to, to, these, to these touring cars being very flat and wide. Yeah. And so to see something that was not, that was much, much, much taller, but also weirdly a little bit narrower. Yeah, it had weird proportions. It, had it looked like a minivan that was going to tip over by comparison, which is funny because it is obviously a racing car. It was pretty great. They kind of let it run the unrestricted NASCAR engine. Yeah, I thought that was fun that they just said, yeah, do whatever you want. You're not racing anybody. That, see, that strikes me as unsafe, but in a fun way. It doesn't matter there because all the cars have different power anyway. Yeah, but... Yeah, but... <laughs> I don't know. It still seems like that's different to have just one random, like total unknown. Man, they let LMP2 drivers out there. If they can let the LMP guys race, they'll let somebody drive that NASCAR around. So, so these twenty-four hour races you're saying are very loosey goosey about what they'll do. They have multiple categories, and the categories well, vary wildly. Like in Daytona, I understand that, but I mean, like. They'll also just let whatever happen. Well, the Daytona, like look at Daytona. So you've got essentially the top class at Le Mans, very similar to the top class that was at Daytona this year. Mm-hmm. You know, these are all guys who make money and are sponsored by BMW and Ferrari. They are paid by manufacturers to go race their cars. That's the top class. 
Right. In the prototypes, you also have LMP2, which was at Lamont, and then you have LMP3. LMP3 is like rich dentists that don't like to play golf that much. Yeah, isn't like uh, Paul Hollywood an LMP3 driver? I don't know who Paul Hollywood is, but sure. Sean, I am about to hang up this fucking Skype call. I probably know who this is. I'm just bad at remembering How dare you? I don't even know you anymore. Paul Hollywood. there you go. He's the like, host of the Great British Bake Off. He looks like one. Yes, and he's like, a, that's his other thing, is he's one of these dickheads in sport car, sports cars. Yeah, he hasn't done the LMPs, it looks like. No, he's done some other racing, but Touring I don't cars, think he's done any GT4, of that. GT4, stuff like that. But yeah, anyway, so they like, like, and so those guys are great because it's essentially like your random event generator at any point in your race. <laughs> they will nice. hit anything. I like it. Okay. That's fun. What you're saying is that it's like a slightly more organized version of the Red Bull Flugtag. Yeah. Okay. Just whatever, you know, jalopy you can throw together that meets these specifications. Well, and the touring, yeah, and the touring car classes are fun, too, because there's a class where it's like, these guys are really good and have done this since they were seven and get paid. But in the same exact spec of car, they're like, this guy's just rich. Yeah. Did you watch, we'll use that as a, uh, as a very Se- flimsy segue over to, to F1. Roll? Okay. No, I was going to ask if you watched the broadcast that had Danny Rick and um, Will, uh, Arnett. Will Arnett. No, I didn't. I watched the Sky broadcast, I think. I watched whatever is the one on ESPN2. That's the, I don't know whatever. what's different. You know, it's Crofty and what's his butt. Yeah. But then later I remembered <laughs> that the Ricardo thing was a thing and it, you know, happily YouTube TV grabbed it for me. So I had it on my DVR and I flipped it on and I was, I made it back halfway through the race and then I had other stuff to do. I am conflicted about it. I love Danny Rick. Everybody loves Danny Rick. I don't think that Will Arnett was the right pairing for him and I love Will Arnett. I don't think the two of them were the right pairing. I feel like either one of them has the potential to do this thing. The voices don't mesh in my head, like not having heard it. They don't. And also they were doing it over like a glorified like like Zoom call. Like they weren't in the same room, which you I know, think was a huge problem. You know, practically, that's a good... Yeah, what you want to, and they they had the stack guy on, and we know from our experience that having three people on Skype always works. I wonder if they have like the uh, good Zoom. It wasn't really a Zoom call, you know, it was whatever. The point is they weren't in the same room. It was teams, okay. (laughs) Or probably even in the same time zone, I'm betting. Like, I think Will Arnett was in California. And Danny Rick was probably at the track. And Danny Rick, I think, was at the race. Yeah. So, I don't know. It loses some of that. It Was it just like an alternate broadcast? Yeah, it was an alternate. It's like when they do that Peyton Manning thing with Peyton and his brother. and they. Sit we should have and- Peyton Manning and his brother do the F1 race. I actually think I would enjoy that a lot. And I don't like the Manning brothers that much. But I think that they would be very funny at the <laughs> covering the F1 race. Peyton, I feel like, would probably be reading the rules. Let me throw this out there to you. What if, and I am blue skying here. Please give me an invite to blue sky. Um, 
what if you and I one time did a Twitter live space during an F1 race? I think I pitched this. I could do this. I think that we could do this. I don't know how enjoyable it would be. There would be long periods of silence. Where like my kid was yelling. <laughs> right. Or also where we've just completely run out of things to say. Um, the, the other thing that I was thinking of it, cause I was like, yeah, we could do that. I don't know what sort of delay I'm watching on. I watch on YouTube TV, which I can, I know from Aggie football usually has me like 30 seconds behind people on cable. I'm on F1's thing. So whatever speed that's at. Okay. So it's, so we could have like a little race to see who's seeing things first. <laughs> It'd be great when you get the, Oh my God. And the other person has to wait. <laughs> And then we can have, oh, we can make a little built-in game of uh, somebody goes, oh, shit, and the other person has to guess what happened. Before How many times happens. can I say Max's engine blew just to make you wait the 20 seconds I know, to see that's it exactly what you would do. You would fuck with me like that. But I'm honestly, not putting that bad juju in the world, man. But also, like, I don't think that that would bother me as much as it had in past years. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it matters for you. I don't like, think it matters. Whatever. They'll just put another engine in there and it won't be fine. Next week will be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, they can they can afford to lose a couple of races, honestly. Okay, well let's put a pin in that. We'll see if anybody actually. We've would got be interested two in like roughly that. our time zone races this year. Three oh, Brazil, oh, I guess Mexico well, yeah, City. We've got, we've got four. Wow, I keep finding more. If we really wanted to go balls to the wall, we would get tickets to Coda and then live live Twitter space from the track. Oh, God, it would sound like shit. It, it would, would be, be windy. The, it, it would be, be an audio nightmare. <laughs> also, the GA tickets are $250 for Sunday. Yeah, so I'm assuming that you're buying. Okay. We'll, we'll use our ad <laughs> revenues from this. Our, our ad revenue. What do, you, what do you think that this podcast is currently generating in revenue? I put us at about, I'm going to say negative 200 to $300. Oh, it's costing us money, right? Yeah, oh, it's absolutely costing us money. <laughs> we've got Spotify, we've got SoundCloud, and yeah. we've got paying for the domain name. This is good. We have a domain name? Yeah, dude. FNG1pod.com. Are you shitting me? Yeah, I bought it. <laughs> Does it go to anything? I think it goes to our SoundCloud. It goes to our SoundCloud. <laughs> I want you to know that we're now in episode 3.8. That's season three, episode eight is when I found out that we have a domain. <laughs> I should do like a link tree to it, right? We, you should make a website if you had <laughs> gumption. St stand by your convictions, my man. High level, it would be well thought out with some good ideas. And in execution, I would get bored. And then it would be, so it would be exactly this podcast. It would be F1. It would be Ferrari's F1 team. <laughs> <laughs> Ferrari's F1 team. Oh, the color choice is great. Like. Oh, you would make the whole thing just decked out in Ferrari shit, wouldn't you? I'm just gonna point that to Ferrari.com. Forget, forget it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a DDoS attack on it. I'm gonna shut our own shit down. Get banned. Um, the race. So we should probably actually talk about the Canadian Grand Prix, huh? Yeah, we should. So, in my opinion, the race itself was not that interesting what are your thoughts uh yeah pretty much not really it had like a couple of very interesting moments a lot of drs trains 
a lot of DRS trains. I very much enjoyed Alex Albon driving like the old man in the left-hand lane that has just, or in the, you, like when you're driving across Texas and it's just one lane each way mm-hmm. and the guy that's going like 62 in a 75 has stacked up like everyone. Like you can see the cars in your mirror back to the horizon. I think it was around like lap. It was before George crashed, but it was probably around like lap eight or ten. Nico Hülkenberg, Hülkenberg had everyone backed up from seven to seventeenth with like less than one second gaps. God bless him. And then like the front three cars or four cars were just checked out. Well, yeah, they they had they had effectively separated it into one very uninteresting race for the top four positions and one extremely like aggressive race for like positions six through 11. Yeah. But luckily, luckily the good lad decided to shake things up for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like George Russell, I should reinvestigate his uh, scores that I gave him in our little driving <laughs> RPG. Yeah, chaos should be like a 17. His chaos should be higher, right? He should be more than Alonzo, certainly. Oh, yeah, he's pretty chaotic. I don't think that I gave him that level of respect, but the more I think about it, like when he just he, fucking T-bone signs in, he, in he Austin T-bone last signs. year. He crashed out of the lead when he was in Williams at Emily. He just, during a safety car, he just drove into the wall. That time he, that he took Valtteri Bottas out at like 190 miles an hour. At Baku when he just punted Max to the wall. That's right. I mean, he's an absolute... He's I a mean, menace. He's, he's a wrecking ball out there. Yeah, he's not quite Lance Stroll levels of menace, but he's pretty far up there. No, he's like if Lance, Scro- if Lance Stroll went to finishing school. <laughs> Give him an accent, <laughs> not the weird Canadian one. Uh, yeah, he has an accent. I'm going to give you a real quick spoiler that my driver of the week matched that of the fans. It was absolutely Alex Albon. Yeah, I mean, even All the, the way. sentimental one, you're going to give it to him because... Well, and he just... What a cool finish. I know it's not because, you know, his car was amazing or anything, but he did what he could with it and it was, you know, it was fast enough in the straightaways to frustrate everyone who was trying to get past him with DRS. And that is very funny to me and also great for him. Yeah, I mean, that car is good for going pretty fast on the straights. So And Q2 was pretty sweet the way that worked out. I know that's mostly... Hard disagree. What? Q2? Well, for him, I just meant... For him. Q2 in general, I was just saying hard disagree. Well, yeah, you're not a fan of Q2, I understand. Q2 for him was amazing. And I know that's all on his, like strategy team that just threw the slicks on and they were like get out there first go now zero downside as long as you don't bend it yeah it was and it was fucking awesome that it worked i thought that was really really cool that like you know two minutes and 10 seconds later it was a completely inviolable strategy oh yeah you had one shot through you had two laps to warm up the tires and one shot through yeah that was very very cool so congrats to alex albon congrats to Hülkenberg on the lucky turn of events for Q3 and then the series of misfortunes that followed pretty yeah. much every two hours following that for the Where rest of the week. Where did he finish? 15th. Oh, 
He was he qualified Q3 second on the grid. Then he got a three position penalty for something. I don't know what, but they were handing out penalties like candy. So, of course, he got one, too. Everyone got a penalty. And then I think he got caught out like he pitted before the safety car. So he got screwed on that and everything went literally everything went wrong for him. So it was a very Haas kind of thing to have happen. It's not really shocking when it happens to them. It's just like, oh, okay. No, no, it's it it feels it feels right, which is sad because it feels wrong. Hey, I got a question for you. Is Mercedes back? Are they? George Russell is not. George Mer- Russell is he's way back there. <laughs> he is back, yes. Back into the wall and back into the pits. Mercedes feels back. They're pretty solid. They were pretty solid. Uh, they they were making some comments like that their car was now as fast as the Aston Martin or something. Yeah. Which it seems like that bears out as not being 100% true. It's close. Yeah, I mean, there's some tra- track-specific things at Canada that would be hard to kind of parse out. But, yeah. But then Aston Martin also made claims that they were... Uh, as fast as Red Bull. As fast as Red Bull, which... Is Alonso, Alonso untrue at this point. Alonso is as fast as Red Bull, according is to he? Alonso. According to Alonso. According to Alonso and his Instagram. <laughs> Alonso wants you to know that Alonso can beat Max. I mean, I think that. I mean, eventually, one or both of these Red Bull cars is going to have some sort of mechanical failure, at the very least. But only if one not, of them needs to have it. If with, not picking up a piece of debris and puncturing a tire and like totaling it into a wall. Well, at given some point, current form. Do what? Given current form, only one of them needs to have a mechanical issue. It's true. It'll what, be, the other, it, well, the other it, one can be banished. It would also, it would be Max, right? Because historically, it's Max. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think that Probably the three teams have caught up. Ferrari a little bit. We'll see how track specific it is. But uh, what that really does is doesn't really bother Max and puts Sergio in absolute hell. Yeah. I, things are not looking good for Checo these last couple of weeks. Checo may be hoping he holds on to P3, P4 in the championship. I, I think he's going to be hoping to hold on to that Red Bull seat. And oh, at, well, this, at this rate, he won't have it. So oh, things I, need to turn around. Yeah, I think P2 is pretty much required for him to keep that seat. Here's the thing. I am now torn between my daughter loving Sergio Perez, and so I need him to stay on the team, and you dangling the possibility of Yuki Tsunoda being the number two driver for Red Bull, and now I really want that too. See, I think you would get more highs than Checo and absolutely more chaos. Which is fine. I don't give a shit what happens to the second car. <laughs> it's, I want fun. Helmet once like that P1, P2 Constructors Championship, and you're just like, I want chaos. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, hey, does Gasly suck or is he good? I've I've kind of been, had a theory for like really the last season and a half that Gasly sucks. Um, something happened because last year he was pretty shit most of the year. Wasn't and- there a point like a few years ago where he seemed like he was going to be good, right? After Red Bull, like. And he got to Alpha Tori and settled back down. He had that great bounce back. I'm like, man, Gasly might have it figured out. And then, like, last year it was like, this guy sucks now. Yeah, I don't think he has it figured out. I think he did. I mean, you could lose it. 
I mean, he's even in a better car than the Alpha Tori now, which is good. But that team's chaotic too. It is. They're all over the map. It's, They're real chaotic. It's very stressful to. And I feel bad because I feel like Otmar Zafnauer is the old man with Werther's originals in his pocket of Formula One. And so I don't want his life to be chaotic and stressful. And it seems like it is. He needs to recruit the Jucos, man. He does. So he needs to be the uh, the Snyder, Coach Snyder of. Yeah. What is what, what is, is the what is Blen Juco got for him in terms of driver talent? I'll tell you exactly what it had. It had Oscar Piastri, and how did that work out? <laughs> he chose somewhere else. How's that going for Oscar? Not great. Which I'm not going to lie, that team is much I, more worse. I tweeted about that this week because I don't know why, but I recently had a rewatch of the most recent season of Drive to Survive going on, kind of in the background while I was working. And it got to that episode where Oscar Piastri, the whole thing happened last year with him, with the tweets and all that shit. And like, I've read articles talking about Oscar Piastri's perspective on that, because obviously there's two sides of that story and Drive to Survive very notoriously is only going to tell one of them and it's going to elaborate a lot. So, of course, they picked the side of showing how that went down from Alpine's perspective, and it was shitty. So then I went and read the interviews that Piastri did talking about what went down and his perspective on what they did to him and all that. And my conclusion is Piastri still sucks (laughs) and fuck him. Yeah, I don't know why he chose McLaren. I mean, I mean, McLaren was kind of like, everybody was kind of coin toss every time. And like two years ago, it seemed like they were the up and coming team. Right. Right. Which is why at the moment it was a coin toss because McLaren seemed to be not crashing back down to earth like they are now. But on the down slope, they weren't where they were before. Yeah, they were crashing down last year. Yeah. So they're continuing. They have not hit bottom. No, it's gotten worse. Yeah, It's not good. Speaking of hit bottom, you should have seen how I felt when the only cars that didn't pit were the Ferraris and Checo. Yeah, that's not a good feeling for you, is it? That was like, it was like, you know, that that not like this scene from the Matrix. (laughs) When you realize that your team has taken the strategy that Red Bull gave to Checo. And literally no one else did. (laughs) And no one else on the grid. You're like, oh, no. You see, they like flash the graphic up and it's like hard, 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 medium, medium. And then everyone else is on hard and you're like. (laughs) Ferrari chose the alternate strategy. This will this will turn out fine. And guess what? It did. <laughs> mm-hmm. It went exactly the way I was expecting when that happened. I was like, "Well, that's where they're going to be for the rest of the race." No, not you don't be, even be close to the rest of this front pack. So I got super into the live timing and watching like them drop Checo repeatedly. Right, was wild. But it was funny that it was like th- by the end there were three races being run. There were the four in the front. There were like the seven in the midfield, well, the whatever, 10 in the midfield and back. And there were the two Ferraris sort of just driving their own race independent of everyone else on the yep. course. Just like we are going to bank these points. That's what we're doing today. <laughs> they they saw that four and five and they locked that shit in. I think, I think, like I said, I had to keep myself grounded and remind me that Saturday screwed up Sunday because according to your boy Helmet, they were actually worried about the Ferrari race pace. 
Okay. He said after the race that it was good that they didn't qu- that they screwed up Saturday. I mean, I guess because they were on a one stop strategy and they were still fast enough to keep up with the Aston and the Mercedes within reason. Within um, reason, they could run the same lap times as them for the entire last stint on the not preferred tire. So is is this you being strangely optimistic? Yeah, but I'll be not optimistic and say that Canada doesn't do a lot of tire dag and it's brake issues and they may have just been able to manage that well. So interesting. We'll have to see what happens next race. We'll see in Austria. Yeah. We'll see if you've uh if you're riding high or you've come crashing back to Earth. Yeah. I mean on Friday on Friday in FP two, like that was the concern is like Leclerc's long pace was like as fast as Max's. And this was coming from the Red Bull camp. And so they were a little wor- actually worried about the Ferraris in the yeah. race. But then the Ferrari chose to get all their Ferrari out on Saturday rather than Sunday. So so I I don't know if you've been seeing these, but I've been tracking when each team could possibly clinch. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, seen a couple of them. Uh, I, I started that off before it became obvious that Red Bull was basically going to win. And it has become less interesting. It's still interesting to me to kind of track the numbers, but I'm mostly just a spreadsheet dork. It was funny to me, and I tweeted about this, uh, congratulating the Red Bull Corporation for currently having a firm lock on first and last place in the Constructors' Championship. Because Red Bull Racing is a hard lock on first place, and AlphaTauri is now in dead last with two points total on the season. God. Which is, a, I mean, that's wild. The, the two Red Bull-owned teams are, after, what, eight races? They are 319 points apart. All right. So does Yuki have more 11th place finishes than AlphaTauri has points? Yes, because Yuki has three 11th place finishes and AlphaTauri has two total points. Wow. Both of those points come from Yuki. Oh, which yeah. Which would be expected. Nick DeBreeze is only there for one reason. Yeah, he's there to to test the various impact stresses of this chassis. We had a Nick debris moment we did when he took you know, magnuson just off on an excursion yeah i you know watching that live for a second i was trying to figure out what happened and they had the perfect bird's eye view camera when that happened and it looked like you know that was the overrun lane that they went into for a split second i was like is that the pit lane was one of them trying to pit <laughs> or they were both trying to pit and they just smashed into each other no nope. and then i realized it was the overrun lane and i was like what the fuck did you two just do nick decided he was gonna make a pass and there was no way he was actually gonna make the uh stop for the turn yeah and then magnuson correctly tried to turn into the turn instead of just going off into the wall and instead hit Nick. And also correctly parked that car right behind Nick's car and made him wait Yeah, until he was done turning around. That was good. Didn't flip him off, though, so that's growth. It, I think it was because he couldn't see him. <laughs> I think that's literally the only reason, but... Look in the uh, ears, asshole. <laughs> but that tweet brought up a question. We didn't ask for questions this week, but we got one anyway in that tweet thread. Um, Trent Morton asked, can you help me understand why AlphaTauri are so, so, so far behind Red Bull despite having the same owners? If there's no commitment to being great, why even have the second team? 
Now, I know that we have partially answered that first one before, because I've asked that question. Why is AlphaTauri so far behind Red Bull when they are owned by the same team? And you clarified to me the great lengths that the FIA goes to to make sure that they are not sharing information between the two teams. Mm -hmm. The second part of that, I think, is actually a better question and a broader question that we could take beyond AlphaTauri. His question was, if there's no commitment to being great, why even have the second team? I'd like to expand that question and say, for instance, Haas. Why is Haas? Why? Why? Recently, like within the last couple episodes, I asked the question of, is it possible in the current climate of Formula One for a small team like Haas to ever become a great team? And it sure felt like the answer was an extremely couched no. It's very difficult. So why do it? I mean, do you have any hobbies? Like, do you play golf or... You're saying this is just the world's most expensive hobby? I mean, in some sense, yeah. So you're... People want to go racing, so they... Do you think in their deepest, darkest hearts, like, the owner of Haas is like, well, we're never actually going to win? I think he hopes... I mean, he's a businessman. He's hoping to make enough money. He Gene Haas wants to go racing. He right. wants to race cars. He wants to do well enough that he can fund going racing cars. He may want to run it at somewhat of a profit, which is actually easier with the cap now, right? Um, is it? Can, are, do you think Haas is running at a profit? Haas is ha, Haas is spending the hundred and forty, or they, are, I think, are at budget. I think they've got enough sponsorship to get them at the budget limit. Interesting. Um, I, I think I think every that. team is there now. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, honestly, if you can if you can tell me that these teams dead break even on paper, I bet I they think make it's a lot of money. An easy question. I think quite a few of them make a lot of money. Well, and even if they make zero money, Ferrari makes more well, money than God. Frankly, if they make zero money, why am I not doing this? Yeah, Ferrari makes more money than God. Yeah, that's and that's fine. Initial, but, uh, initial frankly, investment. The big teams. This question doesn't doesn't yeah. interest me for the big teams because the answer is self evident. They're winning and they're making money. I bet Haas is breaking even. Interesting. Um, I mean, what the whole Andretti's trying to enter? I mean, they're saying the buy in is two hundred fifty million or six hundred million or whatever it is just to buy in to go. Like, there's a big carrot to going in there, just the exposure. Um, and this is all the commercial side, which is less interesting, but you know, the exposure, no, but it the, is the, 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 it's the, the important answer to the question. Yeah. The marketing. I mean, that's how they can afford to go. It's why they sell, you know, every square inch of the car, um, to someone. That's why all the crypto <laughs> coins, they don't care where the money comes from. Um, but yeah, it's a commercial enterprise and, and why do they go? I mean, you aren't going to probably win a championship, but your driver might qualify p2 yeah and and maybe you get where you're competing you know at a higher level like i mean there's some level of aspiration for it. there's there's you know why does you know why does the 38th best qb play in the nfl well he makes money to do it see but, that's easier to me because he objectively yeah makes he money. objectively makes money but like there's a lot of things that are done without the chance for you to win 
you can make the argument about plenty of college football teams if you take no, I actually fact. think that there's a strong parallel being yeah. drawn with college football right. there. There's a lot. I mean, a lot of schools play right, and winning is different for everyone. I mean, you look back at like, and it was a decision I disagreed with at the time, and they've cha- corrected course. But there was a time there where Alabama, Birmingham, UAB closed their football program down. Mm-hmm. They were like, we can't afford to keep doing this. Yep. And we're I'm not glad that they still do and they don't win. And I think that there's a similarity there. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the, the downside in college football is the commercialization of the whole thing. And you feel like fewer and fewer teams are really playing at a level where they're getting exposure. When part of the beauty of it was like, there's a lot of teams that play and there's a lot of weird little nuances that make it enjoyable. I mean, you have a bunch of teams for that. If we go back directly to why Red Bull and Haas are different, I mean, they're different teams structured completely differently. One's in England uh, with probably well, and a stronger support I think support we've covered base. that also yeah. previously. But, yeah, and there's other reasons. Stronger support base and, you know, and... Existing facilities. Alpha Tori is from a smaller Italian factory, and it's, it's hard to win out of Italy because you're separated from the main core of f1 engineering but then the other part is f1's really hard <laughs> yes it, it, like, it, it's now is really there hard. is there anything now you know so we've talked about haas and let's let's just assume that all of these lowest teams are ex- just say they're exactly breaking even is there a compelling reason why red bull wants to have two two teams Double the exposure. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think, I think both of those teams make them money. It's more exposure. There's commercial reasons. I think they're run. Red Bull's run by a really rich guy who wants to do stuff. In uh, some sense, Red Bull is a what hobby. was run by a really rich guy. Yeah, it's true. R.I.P. Dietrich Dietrich Mattersheet. Yeah, Mattersheet. Yeah. Anyway, well, I think that that's a fair answer to the question, but it's a good question. I liked it. I immediately remember a few years ago, Alpha Tori was a pretty solid midfield team. Formula One is fucking hard. It's fucking hard to be good at Formula One. I mean, even different than when you look at like a sports team, right? You need you need, uh, you know, twenty two good guys on a field. Well, this these are teams backed by like three hundred engineers, not to mention like. These drivers. Did you the, just say ninjineers? Engineers. I probably just clicked my teeth or something. Who knows? Ninjineers. I'm stepping up our profession. Oh, man, I completely lost my train of thought on that. That's, like, that's, what, I, that's really, what I'm here it's for. It's really hard to be good at, right? It, and especially even when you talk about the driving talent. Now, most of these guys I, are... I'm, I am the Nick DeVries of this podcast. I'm just here to take you off the course you thought you were going on. Yeah, I was, I was going to make some point about like the drivers are all good and pretty consistent, even the worst ones that do random stuff. But like the tiering and the stratification between the guys who can do special things and not is pretty extreme. I think the only like allegory to this is probably tennis. You have made this comment to me before. Yeah. I think tennis is probably the closest, like closest kind of analogy to what we see here is like, I think the reason I didn't pursue it when you said this to me before is I don't know Dick about tennis. Oh, well if you knew much about tennis is there's the top 20 guys are all very, very good. But in the end, there's like four guys who are 
basically guaranteed to make the semifinals or finals. Gotcha. It was like that when I played eighth grade tennis. Right. And it's weird to think because you're like, they're all, it's one-on-one athlete versus athlete. You'd think there'd be a little bit, but it's not. It's just somehow those guys are that much better at the top. Gotcha. And I think that's the closest place to really compare it just because it's that one versus one, you know, very much the individual effort. I feel like this was a good informative section of our podcast. It's been a while since we actually did that. I think last time we talked about something informative. Maybe not. Who knows? Maybe. There's no way to know. Uh, So our next race is in Austria, right? Yeah. The Red Bull Ring. Home race. You know, ironically, this is a race where they both DNF, right? Well, yeah, I was going to say, historically, even though this is a home race, I don't feel like recently Red Bull has done very well there. No, I think in the COVID year they won both oh that's right they did two there yeah i forgot about that what was it called the austrian uh, the the St- styrian grand Prix. Styrian. yeah yeah so no i think they've done it i just think which that- at the time i was new enough to f1 that i was expecting that to be a different racetrack <laughs> you you were and in chaos like, here i was like this is the same place guys <laughs> but i think i think the important part is they're having a perfect season to this point and so this is where it will it's fall either apart. here or the Netherlands. This is going to be like a like a complete power unit failure on the formation lap. Oh kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Like smoke and fire kind of thing. <laughs> Either that, or Checo tries tries to like really bow up and assert himself, and somehow crashes them both out. Uh, that would that would be fun too. Except. That'll be different because the next race we'll be talking about like, wow, Daniel Ricciardo looked really good in qualifying in the Red Bull. (laughs) They'll fire Uh, him before they get on the plane. Don't tease me. (laughs) Well, cool. I'm excited about the Red Bull ring, even though recent history is not awesome there for Red Bull. But uh, and when is that? That's not for two weeks, right? Two weeks. Yeah. I actually recorded quickly this time. Moderately. Uh, It was Father's Day. It was Father's Day. (laughs) Is the excuse we'll use. And then after that, it was the day after Father's Day. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I'm excited to see that one, and I think we'll close it up there. Uh, thank you to RCB05 for our cover art. Thank you to Chris King for our theme music. The song is Cat Mountain Drive off the album Gold Pulse. Uh, and we will see every... Oh, hey, go subscribe to us on whatever you're listening to this on, and go leave us a review. We don't have a lot of those, but we also don't have a lot of listeners. But maybe we'll have more if we get some reviews. So we'll publicize it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll totally give you a shout out, maybe, if I remember to check that. If I, you guys start leaving reviews, I'll read the reviews on, on air. Not, oh, ooh, isn't that quite a, an incentive? Unless it's a bad one and then you can go to hell. Uh, if it's a bad one, we might read it too. Yeah. But don't do fun. that. Don't be that guy. No, we will not read that one. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, uh, we will talk to everyone in two weeks. Thanks, y'all. Bye.